You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Inside Healthcare. I'm your host, Dave Smolar, Senior Multimedia Specialist here at NCQA. NCQA, the National Committee for Quality Assurance, exists to improve healthcare in the United States. We set standards for healthcare organizations, measure their results, and highlight top performers to drive improvement. On this podcast, we dive deep into quality, what it means, how we achieve it, and the factors that influence our journey to better healthcare, better choices, and better health for all. If you're a fan of this podcast, thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe or follow us to stay up to date on the latest episodes. And if you have ideas, comments, questions, well, email us at communications at ncqa.org. You could be featured on a future episode. In this episode, we highlight two companies that leverage data from many different sources to create a more complete picture of a person's health. And their ultimate goal? Shifting away from the current model of sick care, where patients primarily see their doctors when they aren't feeling well, to care models that prioritize long-term health and self-management with guidance from providers. These companies are helping lead the way towards value-based care, from using AI to sift through patient-reported data and provide actionable insights, to integrating HEDIS into their data platform, thereby putting quality at the center of everything they do. Today, you'll get a glimpse into the challenges and opportunities in our current data-rich healthcare ecosystem. We start with a deep conversation with WellDoc, a health tech company developing patient-facing apps to support self-management of chronic conditions, using what they call an omni-channel approach, which we'll discuss and define in the interview. Their apps gather as much data as possible from sources including remote monitoring devices like wearables and clinical data, and then they use AI to help parse the patient information ultimately helping doctors and patients work together to construct an effective path to wellness. I spoke with WellDoc's Chief Analytics Officer, Anand Dier, and Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Mansour Shamali. Anand starts us off in this conversation, explaining how AI-based tools are already transforming the future of health. Digital help is to the provider what the web telescope is to the astronomer, in English. You look up in the nighttime sky and you see a point of light and you're like, oh, it's a star, it's a planet, if you're more astute. But then you look in the James Webb telescope and oh my God, it's an entire galaxy or a series of galaxies, right? Digital health illuminates what the doctor can't see on a day-to-day basis. It illuminates this is what's actually happening with that patient. It's their telescope that they're looking into seeing what's actually, oh, that's where we're struggling. Okay, we can work on that. It allows them to see beneath the surface and in between their office visits what's actually happening. And I think that illumination allows them to practice at the top of their license, use their uh, clinical training to say, here's the best treatment pathway for you. Let's go. These are the things we should work on in the next, say, three months. And let's let's check in. And I'll see periodically throughout that three-month period how you're progressing against. It's like almost like Google Maps. You know, you, when you go off course, it doesn't wait until you're 50 miles off course. It tells you you're off course, you need to correct and, and get back on course kind of thing. I think that's a powerful part of digital health. Again, bringing the patient and the provider closer together. What is quality? What is what is the definition for WellDoc for quality um, in data? Uh, and then we can talk about how you're pursuing it. 
Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, you know, in the realm of digital health and that too in the realm of regulated digital health, right? So this is regulated by the, uh, the appropriate regulatory agencies. An operational definition of quality really revolves around what I would call measurable parameters and criteria that, if, that ultimately assess the effectiveness and safety of the overall program in delivering its intended use. We're the beneficiaries of, and we're lucky because the medical device space is regulated by a series of quality standards. For example, ISO 13485 uh, that governs how you develop products in the medical device space, how you govern uh, your data in the medical device space, how your processes for good manufacturing, uh, ensuring that you have repeatability, traceability, flexibility, uh, and scalability in your process, and ultimately measurability. So you have, in our case, we're lucky because we have standards like ISO 1345, MDSAP, for example, the medical device single audit program, that's a culmination of four countries uh, uh, that, that look holistically at how they apply ISO 13485. We have standards like the FDA's 21 CFR 820 that are very equivalent, if you would, to ISO 13485. But then you also have standards around all the data, privacy, security. You start to think about 62304. You think about things like the latest uh, FDA embracing of IEEE 2621 for cybersecurity. Because as you mentioned earlier, you're now bringing in data from predicate medical devices or so CGM or a weight scale or whatever. You're connecting this data and the data is flowing from various points through different internet ports, et cetera. And it's incumbent to deliver in the, in the uh, uh, spirit of delivering quality, you have to manage data quality as well. And so for us, quality is all about adherence to the standards that we just talked about. It's about delivering clinical outcomes. Ultimately, if it doesn't work, uh, it, it can be as great as it is, but it's not gonna deliver its intended value. It's about interoperability of these different systems. It's about data security and privacy, and it's about the quality of the user experience. So it's not just a, a hard measure of quality that's governed by metrics that are benchmarked in the industry. It's also the softer side that says, is this something, I mean, if the patient doesn't swallow the Advil, the headache's not going to go away. It has to be something that they want to use. So quality's umbrella, if you would, that measures all of those things against the standards that govern us in this space. With my patients, for example, when I ask them to do something and they value um, my judgment, and then they see how I use that data to further improve their treatment plan, that generates a lot of trust. They're not often asking, is this FDA cleared? Is this double encrypted security? But they want to see in their own eyes that their engagement with the product is actually improving their care, improving their communication with me and their care providers. Another perspective on that, another way of looking at that is any opportunity you have to take healthcare, patient healthcare, and put it into their own hands, giving them tools and making them realize that these are practical tools that they're able to use, then the onus can shift to them, the responsibility can shift to them for their self-care. Uh, and so the kinds of services, the kinds of tools that WellDoc uh, is developing and providing, then that's that puts them on the road, puts patients on the road towards realizing self-care, realizing that they can manage their their own self-care. So tell me about that briefly. I'm glad you asked that, David. As a physician, I really value when patients are engaged with their health. And I actually want to be part of that process. I don't want them to be working on their own, um, managing their disease without any input from from me as a provider. 
Digital health allows the care team to really support patients in their journey at the right time. They receive those insights that we talked about, those personalized insights that help them get better. And then, you know, we clinicians, we can receive a summary of that data, data that we've never sort of had access to before, right? So, you know, when patients come to see me in my office, I say, how are you doing? How are you making good food choices? Are you sleeping well at night? You know, those sort of things. But now I actually can know how they're uh, eating. I can know how their sleep is. I can know if they're exercising because, you know, we're, we have that information that we never had before. An omnichannel approach basically tries to streamline everything possible and gather up, I, I believe, as much data, healthcare data, patient data as possible, and to try to consolidate and parse it to use it towards whatever overwhelming goal, one specific goal at a time. So particularly in the context of digital health, which we've been talking around, um, how do you seamlessly integrate and, and enhance patient experience using an omnichannel approach? And, and this is for considering the whole patient journey uh, and all the pain points that providers have and the touch points, uh, points of care. So tell me about it, uh, the concept of an omnichannel approach uh, to be implemented in healthcare. If I were to rewind the clock just a couple of years at the onset of COVID, um, and I were to look at kind of the traditional method of what we call synchronous healthcare. Yeah, I would go to my doctor's office every three months as a diabetes patient, you know, draw my blood, have a discussion, how am I doing, et cetera. And it's in that case, it's not an omni-channel, it's a, it's a, it's a single channel, right? There's a, there's a single method of data collection, there's a single method of, of discussion, there's a single, single method of interaction, which happens to be this synchronous visit. I think one of the things that we've learned especially in the last three years with COVID too. It's COVID has acted as a silver lining here to actually uh, amplify the effect of this is that if you now add the digital component, you by definition unlock the opportunity to not only shift from the synchronous to the asynchronous, but you also shift from that single modality, single channel to an omni-channel, which is the, which is the, what we're talking about today. So why and how? All of a sudden there may be data and behaviors and actions that the patient can actually, through the channel of the digital health app, resolve on their own. So they don't need to escalate everything to their healthcare provider. Simple example, patient is hypoglycemic. They measure themselves with their blood glucose meter or they get a value directly from their CGM that's integrated into the platform. And it says it's 65, right? As a patient myself, what a 65, I don't know, is that good or bad? Is it low? What do I need to do? All of a sudden, the software coaches them, hey, it's low, you need to consume 15 grams of rapid-acting uh, uh, carbohydrates, and you need to recheck in 15 minutes. A standard ADA guideline for treatment of a, a first-level hypoglycemia. They don't need to escalate that. So the, you have the query, it gets soft by the so software, and it comes back. So the channel number one now is the software itself acts as the intervention, which is also why it's a class two medical device, because it has to be ensured that what you're providing via the AI-driven software is safe, it's effective, and it's delivering the intent outcome. Now you have a series of those. Oh, it's three times in the week that I've had hypoglycemia. Well, now the software looks at those and it actually provides that, hmm, you know, it's because of this trend and pattern, this is what you need to do. Here's a video, watch it, or you know what, talk to your doctor about, you know, uh, how you can avoid this in, in the future. So the software steps up to that second level. But if it beyond that, the software now connects because it's integrated back into the healthcare system. It's integrated into that 
doctor's EMR workflow that says you need to, you know, this patient shows up as, you know, went from green to yellow, uh, now yellow to red, you need to check in with them. All of a sudden you have asynchronicity. They're not waiting for the next three month visit. And the channel is multiplicity. The channel is part digital. It's part human. It could be part telehealth coaching. It could be part AI chatbot. I mean, you're starting to create the foundation for this omni-channel thing to exist in an asynchronous world. I think digital health acts as the catalyst to actually generate this vision of omni-channel that we all want. And if it's done with the cyber and the quality and all the things we talked about, you have something that's trustworthy. But Mansoor, how does it work from the physician side? Well, I think it's about getting the right information to the right patient at the right place at the right time. If we can do that, then we keep people well. We keep them out of the hospital. We keep them on the right path of their health journey. Um, the episodic care that you referred to before, it, it's, it's just not effective because people get into trouble in between visits and there's no intervention for them except potentially the emergency department, uh, which isn't a really good way to end up. So Dr. Shamali, how do you keep people out of your office? How do you have, what, what do you do in terms of a digital health approach or even an omni-channel approach to health using digital health tools where your goal is not to have people keep coming back to see you, but that the goal uh, is an outcome where there is self-care and uh, improvement in their health as a result of self-care. That's a really good point. So traditionally, patients schedule appointments at regular intervals, whether they need to be seen or not. Um, however, in the new way of thinking, intervention should be delivered at the appropriate time, at the appropriate place. So during COVID-19 pandemic, we did a lot of virtual health, but I still, I would see my patients on the video screen, but I still wouldn't know everything about them. But imagine a virtual care experience where we have the digital tools with the data that I need to know for clinical decision-making. Um, those are really good ways to actually solve the problem of scheduling episodic care at times that don't really matter so much. So. You know, I don't think we have the solutions yet. And I know that as we painfully translate from fee-based care to value-based care, there's going to be a real impetus to adopt some of the some of these digital tools. Um, it's going to be quite a journey for us care providers. That's not how we're used to working. Uh, this is a new way of thinking for us. Oftentimes people, and they ask it more in the fear, uncertainty, and doubt category. Are you guys, is, is digital and AI and all this stuff, you know, chat, GPT, is it, it going to replace medicine? I mean, is it just going to eradicate it? I mean, why do we need doctors anymore? They ask that question all the time. And we're unequivocal supporters of the fact that no, no, absolutely not. Uh, uh, you're, you're, you're never going to replace a physician. But I do think that physicians who use these tools and who embrace these tools may replace physicians who don't. And if for them to practice at their top of their license, if just imagine if they have these insights, and as Mansoor said, even if it's a teleconsult, but they actually know what's going on because the AI has surfaced three patterns for them to discuss with the patient that they would never have otherwise seen, that's huge. And when you combine that uh, perspective with the fact that we're in 2023 now, the iPhone came out in 2007, so we're 16 years into the iPhone generation. And, you know, that means they're two years away from going to college. 
and an additional three years away from going to medical school, do you think they're going to want to graduate with a stethoscope that goes to thump, to thump, to thump? Or are they going to want to graduate with a set of tools that they've, they, they don't know any other technology that they've grown up with? So I think we're in for an amazing opportunity literally in the next three to five years. This is when I think there's going to be a societal shift, not just an industry shift, a societal shift towards we have to embrace. We're not going to call it digital health in three years. It's going to be called health. And if it doesn't have a digital component, it's not going to be relevant. And that's what I wanted to convey. WellDoc is a global digital health company that leverages AI in integrating personalized, real-time, actionable insights into the daily lives of individuals living with chronic conditions. So we strive to develop software solutions for cardiometabolic health. We don't have nurses or other humans in a call center. Rather, we've invested heavily in our AI solutions and in scalable automation to serve, to serve our users. Based on the latest clinical science, we approach care by always adapting to the changing needs of people living with chronic conditions and those who serve them. Who are you supporting? Uh, is, is this, are you creating online platforms for the patients to be able to use or uh, is it for providers to be able to use? And when do people use the online tools? Yeah, so really what we're talking about is what the FDA affectionately calls software as a medical device. So these are software apps, but they're apps that are built with the, uh, if you would rigor, the rigor of science and, and, and quality that you would expect if you're bringing a new drug to market or a new medical device to market. So these are AI-powered digital software, digital coaching apps that encourage the self-management of chronic conditions. And when we say chronic conditions, we're talking about that cardiometabolic space, which is diabetes, prediabetes, heart failure, hypertension, mental health, and then weight management, if you would, or general lifestyle management. So we partner with our health plan enterprises or our ecosystem enterprises to offer these solutions to patients and to the providers. We're bringing the patients and providers closer together, letting them stand on this platform, letting them stand on technology shoulders so they can reach further and do better. That's my conversation with WellDoc's Chief Analytics Officer, Anand Iyer, and Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Mansoor Shamali. Announcing NCQA's next big event, the Health Equity Forum, coming up March 4th and 5th, 2024, at the Westin Los Angeles Airport. The Health Equity Forum convenes state officials, advocates, and healthcare providers, all showcasing the blueprint for creating and implementing statewide health equity strategies. It's a two-day conference. Here's day one. California state officials and health equity leaders will discuss why California has prioritized health equity. They'll also share best practices for health equity collaboration. Then comes day two, which features a workshop and training with NCQA experts about NCQA's health equity accreditation programs. You'll determine your readiness to earn accreditation, identify any challenges, and learn how to address them. So if you're a champion of health equity, diversity, and inclusion, we hope you'll consider joining us in Los Angeles. Find out more at ncqa.org and search Health Equity Forum, or click the link in this episode's description. Next up, I spoke with Jessica Robinson, Chief Platform Officer for a healthcare digital development company called The Garage. In our interview, recorded live at NCQA's 2023 Health Innovation Summit, 
I learned how Jessica manages all aspects of the product lifecycle, from the spark of innovation through design, development, testing, and rollout. Founded in 2012, the garage aims to utilize digital tools to help providers shift from fee-for-service models to value-based models of care. Working with management service and accountable care organizations, among other provider groups, the garage's applications help clinically integrated networks across 34 states now harness the full extent of the population data available to them. The garage's eagle-eye approach and their integration of NCQA's HEDIS measures into their platform allows networks to visualize the full patient care team across the entire care continuum in order to shine a light through the haze of data and deliver optimized quality care to their patients. When we talk about data integration, there's a lot of data that comes into a system, like a pop health system, like ours. And that means there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of information. And what we try to do is simplify that and really help to focus on the signals or the key pieces of information about the patients or the network or the association so that they can act on those from a care management perspective, from a utilization or a cost perspective, without getting distracted by digging into the details, but also providing the details for those users that need to understand that, need to have access to that information to really drill and discover what's going on. I'm curious about the, I guess, the back-end mechanisms mm -hmm. of how the data gets, uh, gets integrated. So do you ingest data from their EHRs, and then you start sort of you start parsing it out for them right. uh, and then populate it into um, different areas or different segments or different types of information that they need? Or do you use CMS as the guide so, for what kinds yeah, of information? Yeah, we aggregate all disparate data sources. So we aggregate data from CMS claims. We aggregate from commercial payers, um, the EHRs as well, um, third-party systems such as the the regional HIEs in the in, in the area, um, pulling all of that data, normalizing it, preparing it, and presenting that information into one unified um, access point, one dashboard, um, one workflow. So standardizing the way that all of our providers can see and understand and interpret the information. Um, when we look at payer reports, everybody's saying the same thing, but there's different formats, there's different ways they're saying it. We want to normalize so everyone can essentially say, how are we doing across the board on this metric? So the analytics that you provide, are they also per patient? Could they do, a, could somebody put an inquiry about a specific patient mm -hmm. and then uh, you help to uh, then ingest and populate all this information about a specific patient or is it, is it only on a larger scale of, that they're asking questions about their entire patient population and you help to divvy it up into various metrics? So it depends on the use case. Um, at the end of the day, at the end of the pipeline is the patient level report and record. Um, that's going to be completely aggregated, longitudinal across all of the data sources, chronological for everything, so that when we have providers that are accessing that patient record within the organization, everyone is working off of the same information. So really allowing for more personalized patient-centric care and not just the pieces that are coming with the referral here and there from disparate sources and not really seeing that big picture. So when we talk about working with our management companies, you know, they're looking at the overall population, they're looking at how are we going to ensure that you know we're going to reach, reach the management um, goals and business objectives that we have as an organization but at the practice and provider level they're looking at how can I make sure that I have all the information for my patient so uh, you know value-based care is good medicine it's good care it's 
it's what all of our providers are, are really wanting to do, but it's the documentation that sometimes can get a little cumbersome. So just allowing for that transparency of the information to be available within our system for all users helps everyone to kind of do check all the boxes and fill all the gaps. Tell us about the mission. Tell us about the, there's a, a, a multi-point flywheel that you consider uh, with your mission. Um, and, and this, what I want to know about is the attitude that folks have at the garage. Yeah, so, um, you know, even when I started, we had a different mission statement, and I will tell you, I, I can't recall what it was, but for me, it was always really focusing on changing the healthcare landscape. Um, our mission is changing healthcare for good, one community at a time. Um, and we really solidified that mission um, statement in working with our FQHC clients um, and partners, because that's where we have a very trans disparate group of patients that need all levels of care at any one time. And we really wanted to focus on, you know, impacting those smaller communities where, you know, it's ground level work where we can see the bigger innovations and impacts happen across the way. Um, and hoping that, you know, our presence in those communities will help to bring um, that change into healthcare that's needed to really make an impact and make sure that everyone has that equitable care. So throwing out the flywheel, there's empowerment, uh -huh. there's reinvention, mm -hmm. and there's uh, enabling the on-demand, you know, access, yeah, so, on-demand. So we, we definitely think things differently in the garage. Um, on our website, we have our bridge model. Um, that is our innovation model. Um, it is what my team lives and breathes by. Um, and the way that we came up with that is really understanding we need to ensure that just like a traveler in an airport needs to get to the right gate, patients need to be um, directed to the right terminals and gates for their own care, whether that's specialty care, patient engagement, or even just their care management team. Um, and understanding how that all works together to ensure everyone is getting where they need to go to get their care. Now, we want to empower those SINs, right? Clinically integrated network is great. But if you are putting in bad data, you're getting out bad data. So we really focus on getting the data in and creating intelligence out. So that's where we look at empowering that data and empowering that healthcare team to really understand that we need to kind of present an action behind it, not just numbers regurgitation, um, because that's where you're going to see the impact and the change. So what kinds of things do the garage do for the, for the sake of the people that they're helping in order to, before you start to parse out any data, you got to figure out what's the appropriate information for us to be able to pull in there. And it must be building confidence in your clients as well, mm -hmm. because if they're coming to you, that means that, that it's possible they're already feeling right. that they're buried under a mountain of, of data. Now that we've digitized everything, great, but we still have a mountain of data right. and we, we don't know where to start. Yeah, so uh, we do really, uh, our data integration team and our data science team really works with our clients to understand their value-based and their risk contracts so that we can help present the appropriate data for them. Um, normalizing that, kind of putting that on the front end so that they can follow the, you know, the dollars and cents that they need to as well as those quality initiatives. Um, but as far as the entire care team, we want to ensure that um, each member of that care team has the, the data they need to act on that patient. So we really look at, you know, what are we identifying, whether it's a lab, whether it's a medication, whether it's a diagnosis, what is the follow-up to that? What is the treatment of that? What is the next clinical step for the organization with that? Um, so creating those kind of, you know, electronic workflows so everyone can kind of help 
focus on the things that they need to focus on um, in creating those care plans and managing those patient um, care rather than creating, you know, the follow-up calendar and the, and the next click and filling in those gaps um, from a from a from a form fill perspective. Um, we really want to automate a lot of that and kind of bring that into um, all areas of the care team so that they have the action and the information that they need right there at their, at their fingertips. Tell me about your connection with NCQA, with uh, your connection with our HEDIS set of measures, um, and how far back does that go, and how has it developed? Yeah, so um, this year we've really pushed for creating a standardized set of measures, of quality measures within our platform. The reason for that is our, our clients are really wanting to engage in various types of value-based contracts. And every contract has, you know, quality measures defined. Um, but as they switch from different contracts to different contracts, they really want to have that normalized sense of what do I need to complete? How am I going to achieve? Am I ready to jump into this next contract? So with NCQA, um, it is a trusted source of quality measure benchmarks that our clients know. Um, so it was kind of the next step is let's use those, let's make that partnership, let's get those measures certified so our clients are comfortable and understand that where we're coming from and the numbers that they're seeing on their pages are going to represent appropriate benchmarks and quality. How did the company first get involved with NCQA uh, and where have you gone? You're pursuing various types of certification or? Yes, yes. So we're, we're pushing for um, 50 quality measures by the end of the year um, and we're at about halfway point now. Um, and then really understanding that when you're, when you're picking a set of quality measures, um, Every payer has measures. Our clients all have their own internal measures that they want to kind of keep their providers um, abreast of. We wanted to ensure that we brought in that good quality. So when we talked about, you know, do we want to go with ECQM only? Do we want to go with NCQA? Because we have clients that are in um, the commercial world as well as in the CMS, Medicare, Medicaid world, we needed, we knew we needed to have both. Um, so partnering with NCQA and having those measures, um, which are the basis for all of our uh, commercial plans was really just the next step. And it helps towards some kind of standardization. Absolutely. Nomenclature standardization. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too. You know, everybody has a breast cancer screening measure across various payers. We've seen various logic of the same. So it's kind of, we want to ensure that we're standardizing within the garage of the same quality measure set so that everyone can trust that we have a trusted source. We have, we're, we're all the same. So what's next for the garage? I, I'm asking, you don't have to answer. If it's a, there's a secret or there's a, a door that you, you're not ready to open yet. And, but what would be either what's a new initiative or something else that you want to tell us about? Um, or what would be next in the evolution uh, of, of the garage? Yeah, so, um, you know, our, our main goal is to enable the quintuple aim. Um, we really want to ensure that there's better um, quality of care for patients. Um, we're lowering costs, reducing duplication is part of that, increasing transparency as part of that, um, empowering the provider experience as well. Um, we've all seen that provider burnout um, across all care team members, um, and it's 
it's real. It's not, it wasn't just, you know, one thing. So we want to make sure that everyone has kind of the ability to do their job and have the information they need without too much of a headache. Um, and really understanding, you know, health equity, right? Um, it's a buzzword. Everybody's heard it. But what does that truly mean? Um, how do we solve the things that can really impact a patient's health that are not a diagnosis? Um, how can we work with those community-based organizations to help give those things to those patients or have them available and bring all of that together um, cohesively. And that's really where we want to go. We want to we ensure that protecting the patient and kind of providing the providers and those care team members what they need to help the patient are available within our platform. That was Chief Platform Officer for The Garage, Jessica Robinson, recorded live at NCQA's 2023 Health Innovation Summit. To learn about our upcoming 2024 Health Innovation Summit, slated for October 31st through November 2nd in Nashville, just go to ncqasummit.com or click the link in this episode's description. As we do on each episode of Inside Healthcare, we ask for your thoughts on today's show. Email us at communications at ncqa.org anytime, and be sure to include Inside Healthcare in the subject line. Now, if you're coming up empty, here's our question for this episode. What digital tool could you develop to encourage patients to take the reins on their healthcare journey? And if you have a comment, a suggestion, an idea for a guest on our show, maybe you'd like to be a guest, just email us and let us know. Communications at ncqa.org. And be sure to write Inside Healthcare in the subject line. Hope to hear from you soon. And that's it for episode 125 of Inside Healthcare. What'd you think? Well, let us know. You can email us, leave us a review, and like and follow us. You can also explore other health quality topics and past episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to connect with NCQA on LinkedIn and X, formerly Twitter, to stay informed on NCQA news. You'll also find promo videos for upcoming podcast episodes that you can share with friends and colleagues. Thanks again for joining us and helping our audience continue to grow. On behalf of our award-winning NCQA communications team, I'm Dave Smolar. We'll see you again, no doubt. You've been listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast brought to you by NCQA, the National Committee for Quality Assurance. Inside Healthcare is available on your computer or mobile device and on our blog at blog.ncqa.org forward slash podcast. <laughs>